a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub on CGTN. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. All eyes are on Samar Khan in Uzbekistan as world leaders and international organization heads meet there for the annual summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, otherwise known as SCO. Chinese President Xi Jinping attends the summit in Uzbekistan. Winds of change led to the founding of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization two decades ago. And today, more global changes are driving its transformation. Tashkent is a city of contrasts. On one hand, modern skyscrapers and shopping malls that rise in the town's most modern districts. On the other hand, there are the historic structures that preserve relics from the 14th century. Knowing the history seems to be key to the future of this entire region. Locked in many conflicts in the past, the countries in this part of the world came to believe there were better ways to resolve issues to everyone's benefit. That solution includes the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Over the years, it has grown into a structure that offers its members something that no other organization does. While some in the West have called it the Asian NATO created to counter the West, most experts have dismissed those labels. SCO is a alternative, is an alternative to OAC, not to NATO, as a political body, as a multilateral platform which emphasizes different set of values, different set of principles and rules, different from democracy, different from you know, human rights um, articulation in Europe, in uh, the West. And it is precisely that difference that will be on display at this year's high-profile summit in Samarkand. The SEO is now made up of eight full members, with ten other states participating as either observer or dialogue partners. It is expected that Iran will sign commitments for becoming an additional full member in Samarkand. Interest by several other countries to join will also be addressed. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization will act in providing security in the Eurasia area by strengthening economic and transport collaboration. They will also decide on the SCO expansion. The memorandum on Iran's full member status will be signed, and they will consider membership applications from Belarus and some other countries. Top political brass will participate in the summit in Samarkand, including the Chinese President Xi Jinping, Russian President Vladimir Putin, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi and many others. A lot of important bilateral meetings are scheduled during this summit. According to local experts, all of those meetings will be a show that a new multipolar world has emerged and is here to stay. How much weight does the SCO summit have? How just is the Western projection of the SCO as a quote-unquote illiberal anti-US coalition? I'm very honored to be joined today in Lahore, Pakistan, by Zafaruddin Mahmoud, Special Assistant to the Prime Minister of Pakistan. Mr. Mahmoud, welcome to CGTN. Thank you, Mr. Wangkwan. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. Uh, Mr. Mahmoud, I want to start by asking you about the SEO. Pakistan became a member state of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization in 2017. What role has this regional organization played, in your opinion, in addressing critical geopolitical tensions? Thank you so much. So let me briefly give my point of view. Uh, it was indeed established about two decades ago, 
And I think the most important achievement is provided a cooperative forum or a platform for dialogue between the member states. And all of these states, they include the bigger countries like China and Russia, and also smaller countries. So I think it's an equal platform for all these countries to share their views and thoughts. So in that way, it has been able to achieve the basic objective of a good dialogue platform for all the member states. You know, there have been reports about the expansion of the SEO. Um, according to Russian Foreign Ministry, Iran might sign a memorandum of commitment to join the SEO soon. Plus, there are other countries associated with the SEO observers and dialogue partners uh, in the past few years. What do you think will this expansion mean for this organization? Well, um, uh, there have been quite a few countries who have been trying to become the full member of SEO uh, since long. And I think uh, it is a very good idea to make it more inclusive, particularly in this very, very complex region in which we are living. So I think the participation of Iran will be an important addition to this whole area because Iran is located at a very, very critical location. It is bordering Afghanistan, which is again bordering with the Central Asian states and all that. And again, it is a very important country in the Middle East, and it is a most important source of energy. Uh, would be uh, very happy to see if Iran could uh, formalize its full membership during this meeting. And of course, the other candidate members will have uh, uh, to wait maybe for a while because the SCO has a very tough um, criteria to include new members. I think Pakistan had tried for a long time and they have to wait for a few years before becoming a full member. So I think the addition of new members will further strengthen the platform. Right, but many observers in the West, many commentators in the West are calling the SEO as a quote-unquote illiberal anti-West or anti-US club because of the presence of China, Russia, and perhaps Iran in the future. How do you look at this perception? Well, I do not agree with this perception for the simple reason. One is I think that uh, China has always maintained good relations with the United States and have been making every effort uh, to keep good relations. And so are all the other countries in this area. And you know, by defining uh, a platform as anti-something, the other thing is not a correct approach in my platforms in which China and Russia are not members, but we will not consider them as anti-China or anti-Russia. So I think all the countries have a right to uh, become a part of a certain platform which serves their interest in a particular region. So I think the perception uh, to declare that SCO is an anti-American uh, kind of a platform is incorrect in my view. And I think the other countries in the Central Asian republics are also, also uh, maintaining good relations with the United States for the last so many years. But it has happened so in the recent past, the uh, relationship between Russia and the United States are uh, not as good as they were. And there are issues between China and the United States as well. Right. Let's talk about energy. With the present global energy crisis, what does this association of Russia, Saudi Arabia, and perhaps Iran, three of the biggest um, oil and gas producers, mean for the Shanghai Cooperation Organization? Uh, what does it mean for the energy security, not just in the region, but the whole world? 
Well, I think this energy issue right now is very complex, and I think SCO really cannot play any any important role or influence the global uh, <clears throat> energy uh, crisis in any way, um, because uh, Russia and the Europe and the U.S. have different kind of issues. Iran has different kind of issues, while Saudi Arabia is uh, having a different set of issues. So I don't think that all of these countries could agree on a certain uh, uh, formula in which they could be uh, able to resolve these issues. Right, right, right. Um, I want to talk about the new administration of Pakistan. Um, prime Minister Shabazz Sharif is, of course, the new prime minister, and uh, he's a veteran politician and a very able administrator. Um, however, Pakistan has been facing a series of severe challenges, first the pandemic and then the friction with former Prime Minister Imran and now the floods. How does Mr. Sharif plan to ensure political stability and restore the economy in Pakistan? Well, you are absolutely right. He is um, facing tremendous challenges, not only on the political side, but also on the economic and financial side and also the COVID, the floods and all that. And he is working uh, extremely hard to address all these issues. But I would simply say one thing about his uh, administrative abilities and his special um, uh, feelings for China, because he had remained associated with CPEC since very beginning, and he has been the strongest supporter uh, for CPEC projects, and he had played a very instrumental role in implementation of various CPEC projects in Pakistan. So after taking over and becoming the prime minister, and I think uh, he has visited uh, two times Gawadar to speed up the work, and he is personally monitoring the progress on each area, starting from the energy projects, the infrastructure development, and all those projects which had slowed down in the in the in the past. Yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed for a speedy recovery for um, you know you know people who are suffering from this devastation, a climate devastation. Sir, you have a special role in China-Pakistan relations. You have served as a diplomat in Beijing and Shanghai, and you had a key part in the implementation of CPAC, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. Um, in your opinion, has CPAC met the goals its builders had in mind? Uh, what are the opportunities and challenges? Well, um, yes, you have, uh, I have the privilege and honor of uh, remaining associated with China in different capacities for the last four decades almost. So uh, talking about CPEC, I would say that we have been only able to achieve partially the objectives and goals which were defined at the beginning. Uh, and the reasons are many. And uh, I must say that we have to work harder to completely implement the CPEC, which is a flag flagship project of BRI. So to, just to give you one example, uh, we have agreed on a long-term plan for CPAC implementation and in which energy and infrastructure development was one part, but the most important part was the industrial development. And we have not been able to achieve the desired objective as far as the industrial development is concerned. So we have to work hard in that direction so that uh, the CPAC can produce the desired results. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. <laughs> Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. 
We have hope for humanity and the world. Donated an additional General 500 Railway thousand Company dollars. Director of the International Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Hi, this is Niu Niu. And yes, Old Wisdom New Insights is back with a brand new season. Just check out the historical figures we've selected for you. There's the top KOL in Song Dynasty, a real celebrity influencer. If I write an article about a place, it will become a tourist destination and stay popular for centuries. There's the man who was so weird but so talented that almost all the famous celebrities of his time were both offended and impressed by him at the same time. To be liked or disliked, that was never the question for me. I was not really popular among my peers, but I was too occupied with my dream to even realize that. There's the successful novelist who changed his career path in his 60s and did a really good job. I say, it's never too old to follow your dream. 60, 60 it's just my 30. Now, do you know who I'm talking about? If not, don't you worry. That's what the show is all about. Join me to find out with more old wisdom, new insights with a modern twist. Just subscribe and listen to Old Wisdom, New Insights on all the major podcast platforms. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the, bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub. In July, Pakistan's Don Daly wrote uh, its interview with you that CPAC's progress has been, to quote um, your words, has mostly remained tentative and stop-start. I also said some projects have been closed and uh, some closed down, um, you know, unfortunately. What are the prime reasons behind these uh, closed downs, you know, hindering CPAC's progress? Well, actually, I think the interview was uh, slightly misquoted. Um, I have not said that the projects have been closed down, but definitely oh. there have been a slowdown. Definitely there had been uh, for various reasons. And what I have said is uh, essentially that we have been uh, failed to implement the, the long-term CPEC plan in which the energy infrastructure development were a part of the whole CPEC long-term plan, but it could have only worked if we have implemented it in totality. So that is where we have not been able to achieve uh, the desired results. And the reason for that, I could say, is essentially the change of the political government. And the second is, of course, COVID, which has seriously affected. And third is the, the security concerns um, uh, in Pakistan for the Chinese companies to come and work here. Um, but I think then uh, in the later part of the last government, the, uh, the various issues were resolved and there was a joint desire to restart the CPEC in its original form. But I think now with the floods and all that, we will have to redefine our objectives and goals. I want to talk about China-Pakistan relationship it has been described as uh, an ironclad friendship. Uh, Beijing designated Pakistan as an all-weather strategic partner. 
uh, one of the highest designations uh, among China's friends and partners anywhere in the world. What should we expect in the bilateral ties under the new government? Well, I think uh, uh, these will be further strengthened and deepened in all dimensions. We already have very extensive relations in every part of our, our um, dimensions, including the strategic relations, the diplomatic, the defense, the economic and all that. But what we have to do is make it more objective, more specific to develop Pakistan's economy. I think that is the new direction which we have to do that. And I think uh, whatever government comes into power in Pakistan, they always support and further try their best to further strengthen the relations with China. So that is the most important thing. And that's why we are called the Iron Brothers. So I think during the last seven decades or so, I have never seen a, a moment when there were some deterioration in the relations. They have been always growing from better to further better. So far, according to news reports, uh, you know, nearly one third of Pakistan remains submerged. Well, 1,400 um, Pakistanis uh, brothers and sisters there lost their lives. Um, you're in Lahore, Pakistan. How is the situation over there in Lahore? Uh, you know, I've been to Lahore actually 10 years ago. Uh, my thoughts are with the people there. What's the situation over there like right now? Um, what does the people in Pakistan need and how can everyone help? Uh, thank you so much for your concern. Indeed, uh, this flood has really created a havoc in most part of Pakistan. All the provinces have been affected uh, to some extent. And as you have said, one third of Pakistan is really affected. Uh, but Lahore, fortunately, is uh, safe. There is no issue in Lahore as such. But the other parts have been seriously damaged. So currently, uh, we are over the face of um, rescue because now the rains have stopped and the floods have receded. But I think the most important challenge now we are facing is the rehabilitation and reconstruction, which is a major and gigantic task. I think the, uh, not only the people in Pakistan, but also the global community has been very overwhelming in supporting Pakistan at this difficult time. And as always, China was the first country to offer support. And uh, they sent not only the material and goods, but also provided cash support for the relief, reconstruction, and all that. But I think in the many years ahead, we will be requiring a lot of support and help from the friends, from the international community, because the damage is so vast and extensive that we alone shall not be able to manage it. But one thing I would like to say here is that this is a consequence of the climate change, mm. which the whole world is facing. And I think today, if it is Pakistan, it could be another country tomorrow. So I think the global community has to sit down together <clears throat> and find a solution to this issue at how we can join hands together. Yeah, I mean, the two countries, the relationship rather has uh, certainly withstood the test of time. If you think about, uh, you know, the earthquake in uh, Wenchuan, Sichuan uh, over a decade mm -hmm. ago in 2008, uh, Pakistan was among the first countries to send tents. You know, uh, Pakistan oh. sent uh, one of the very uh, last uh, few batches of tents over to, you know, the friends here in China. Uh, likewise, uh, China has been extending a helping hand uh, whenever uh, Pakistan is in need. Uh, th this relationship is apparently is more than just political and economic. Absolutely. And this is mutual 
uh, I will uh, give you the examples of these floods. You know, the Chinese companies which are working in Pakistan, not only the state-owned companies, but also the private companies, they have been so overwhelming in supporting the uh, the the flood relief efforts that a lot of Chinese companies, they have not only contributed cash donations and also materials, but they have actually went to the affected areas and they have set up camps there to provide relief to Pakistani people who have been affected by floods. And I have read about the emotional story about a school boy who donated his entire pocket money, his personal savings for the flood relief efforts in Pakistan. So people in Pakistan were touched by these kind of emotions, which are definitely highly respected. It is a very emotional relationship, uh, however you look at it. Um, Mr. Mahmoud, your ties with China are not just at the official level. Uh, you're also a, a, the founder, actually, of a think tank, the Understanding China Forum. What made you start this Understanding China Forum? Uh, can you share some specific stories or, or ways in which it created mutual understanding? The people in Pakistan, they do not know much about China. And the source of information for them, for China, is from the Western media, Western newspapers and all that, which most of the time is misguiding. And, you know, it has ill intentions. So I thought it is my duty and responsibility to show the true picture of China to the people in Pakistan who have good feelings about Pakistan, but when it comes to in-depth understanding, they really do not know much because their source of information is West, which is misguiding. So with the help of a few friends, we set up this small uh, kind of a forum in, based in Lahore in which we organize seminars, we took delegations to China from media, from the business community, the scholars and all that. And we arranged with the, the meetings with the, on the public side, not with the government organizations, so that they must feel the true feeling of the Chinese people. They look at China's economic development. They look at China's social harmony. They look at China's governance system and how it has benefited the people of China. So that is the objective of my uh, setting up this platform so that people of Pakistan, they should know what real China is, not what the Western countries they propagate about China. But Mr. Mahmoud, given the dominance of Anglo-Saxon English-speaking news media around the world and the narratives they have been propagating around the world, uh, how effective uh, do you foresee your forum to be, Understanding China Forum, in uh, you know uh, changing stereotypes and uh, perceptions or even misperceptions about China? Well, uh, we are, uh, we have just started and we are making our efforts as much as possible. Uh, but in the recent uh, last two years due to COVID, you know, we have not been able to travel China or invite some Chinese friends to come to Pakistan. But I think we will continue our efforts in whatever way we can. So actually, uh, my objective is to influence the people in Pakistan who are, we call them the opinion makers who mostly come on the television and tell stories about different things. So if these people, they can fully understand the real China, then they shall be able to change the opinion and perception of some of those people who have certain misunderstandings about China influenced by the Western media. But I think there is a lot of work has to be done. And I have a lot of support from my Chinese friends in China, various think tanks, the Chinese embassy here and the Chinese friends here. And we are confident that we will with our efforts, we shall be able to bring some change. Thank you so much for your, all your efforts. Um, this October, the Communist Party of China will be holding its National Party Congress, uh, a key event that will draft the blueprint for China's future. 
what is the level of attention and anticipation over there in Pakistan about this uh, CPC meeting? Well, um, you know, the people who um, really are opinion makers, they are paying a lot of attention to 20th uh, CPC Congress for the simple reason, um, as you know, I was talking with some friends yesterday that every CPC Congress is always very, very important and very historical because it changes the direction for the next five years for China's development. But now this Congress is especially very important because the global situation is not the same as it was five years ago. Let's put it the COVID situation, the, um, uh, the friction uh, in relations between China and the United States, the Taiwan issue, the Xinjiang issue, which has been saying, I think the Communist parties, this Congress will really set a new course of direction for China's future. So everybody in China and Pakistan is looking forward to the outcome of the Congress so that uh, because it will not only influence China itself, but it will also influence the region and the globe entirely. So we are all very concerned and eagerly looking forward to the successful conclusion of the Congress. And we, I'm sure, we are sure, as in the past, every CPC Congress starts a new era of stability, peace, and economic development in China. Mr. Safaruddin Mahmoud, Special Assistant to the Prime Minister of Pakistan, thank you so much for joining us on The Hub on CGTN. And that will do it for this edition of The Hub on CGTN. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. Our news coverage continues on CGTN. Bye and take care. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. General Railway Company Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Uh, some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chinese Guzhou. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. Yes! 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 I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms.